Today's podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Practice Evolution Prime. Practice Evolution Prime was created to bridge the gap from school to success. You can be successful, you should be successful, and being successful takes work. You have to gain the skills and foundation to be the sought-after family chiropractor, and our goal is to create extraordinary family chiropractors. This program is not easy. It will challenge you. It will push you. We choose to only work with doctors and students who are teachable, principled, and willing to work hard to improve their skills, practice, and their lives. If you are interested in learning more about this program and to apply, or if you are a patient looking for a PEP Prime doctor, visit our website, pepprime.com. That's pepprime.com, or call the Practice Evolution Program at 801-281-1646. Hey everyone, and welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children and your families today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. Now, guys, uh, in line with uh, some of the special guests that we've had in the past several episodes, uh, I thought it would be uh, an amazing treat to have a friend and a colleague uh, who uh, is a chiropractor, uh, but also is an amazing innovator and, uh, and a researcher and a thinker in our profession uh, that's really uh, starting to bridge the gap between, um, you know, Generation Xers and, uh, and Millennials. Um, when I think uh, Millennials, the first person I go to is, is our guest today, and that would be Dr. Mary Lucas Flannery. Dr. Mary has had an uncommon pathway and perspective in the world of chiropractic. She began her career as a recruiter for a chiropractic college and had no plans to become a chiropractor herself. Her job allowed her to meet thousands of chiropractors and to see firsthand not only the incredible passion and commitment chiropractors have to their work, but also to see the commonalities of a successful career. She fell in love with the profession and graduated from Palmer College of Chiropractic in 2000. Mary had three kids as she began her practice and developed a passion for kids in chiropractic that resulted in a pediatrics-focused practice. But several uh, years of practice uh, gone by, once again, she pivoted back to her calling in chiropractic education. For the past 12 years, she has worked inside chiropractic education in recruitment, enrollment, marketing, and communications. She is currently the Dean of Enrollment at LifeWest Chiropractic College, and she has led the college in more than doubling the size of enrollment. Her intense work with students has given her a unique perspective on how today's young chiropractors can move from a dream of chiropractic career to a sustainable and significant role in healthcare. She's also the founder of the Art of Story Project, an online platform where she teaches chiropractors how to be more effective public speakers, teachers, content creators, uh, and focusing on the use of story to break through limiting beliefs and paradigms. She's been focusing uh, her work on millennial chiropractors and helping them to find and use the many advantages of the millennial generation's capacity to communicate and connect to patients and the public. Simply stated, Mary believes the millennial generation of chiropractors and chiropractic patients are perfectly poised to break through the misconceptions and limits that the chiropractic profession has struggled against for the past 120 years. Dr. Mary, thank you for taking up your time to be with us today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. 
I am so glad to be here. I've been actually uh, deep diving into the kiddo cast this week uh, to see what you've been up to. And I freaking love it. It's so good. So I'm absolutely honored to be here. Thank you so much. Um, let's let's dig in. Uh, Mary and I have uh, have known each other for many, many years. Um, and, you know, in my in my early career in chiropractic, um, I started off um just like most millennials, uh, in a lot of ways, I had this sort of lens uh, that was looking down on me from from the outside world. And, you know, we assume too much and too often that millennials are entitled, uh, that they're whiny, that they think they know everything. And in retrospect, uh, I was kind of that guy uh, going through through the profession. But I didn't also at that point realize that there were a lot of uh, unique um struggles, uh, a lot of unique requirements and demands uh, on our profession that are very different from even the Gen Xers. Uh, and then uh, in March, uh, you and I were at the International Chiropractic Pediatrics Association Mastermind in Virginia, and I heard you speak on on storytelling, on, uh, you know, sort of like the unique millennial mandate. And uh, I just, my brain just started going and going and going. Um, you know, you suggested that I, I read a few books in particular on uh, the millennial plight, uh, which I got through ravenously. And, um, you know, since then, I've really been thinking a lot about that communication piece, not just how chiropractors communicate uh, to their generation, but also how how parents uh, communicate with their kids, uh, how parents uh, and, and those millennial children themselves communicate with the greater society. And so I, I'd love for you to talk about that and see how far down the rabbit hole we can go. Right. So I know we have, we can't go forever, but boy, I can. And it's interesting. I don't know how I got sucked into this rabbit hole myself. It wasn't, you know, a, something I set out to do. I think it's because for the last, you know, 12 to 15 years, I've been working so closely with millennials, which, which I didn't even think about as a thing. And I started to, in the last two years, I started to notice not only what terrible press millennials have been getting in public consciousness in numerous, numerous news articles and pieces online, but that the even the millennials were kind of buying into it. There was almost like this, <laughs> this thing where everyone was just buying onto this crazy story, which is that the millennials are the worst generation ever and our, our world is doomed. And I, it just was so discordant with what I was actually experiencing. You know, this, this line that like, you know, millennials are lazy and entitled and can't work with others and all this, all this stuff, you know, I've actually seen videos online where millennials start dissing on their own generation. It's really like not helpful and it's not, it's not true in my experience. And so then I was really curious, like what is, what's really going on here? And that's when I started to go down the rabbit hole and try to really understand the generations. And I think one of the main things that stuck out for me is I remember when this book came out in like the early 2000s called Generation Me by Gene Twenge, who's like this famous, famous researcher who's like the kind of leading expert on millennials. And she wrote this whole book about how millennials are. And she had all this research from all these surveys. And what that research really failed to disclose properly was the difference between generational characteristics and life stage characteristics. So at that point, the median age of the millennials, which by the way, millennials, depending on whose barriers you put, I mean, the, the age range of a millennial varies, you know, whether you're going from Pew Research or Gallup polls or whatever, I tend to go with the, the definition that millennials are born 1980 to 2000. So that's 
roughly the age that the way I think about them. But anyway, that millennials at the time that that survey was done were largely like 18 to 20, you know, five years old. They were in high school. They were in college. And I don't know what you were like when you were that age, Dan, but yeah, I, I probably could have been characterized as entitled and clueless and a bunch of things because I was 18 years old. Like, that's just what you act like when you're 18. You, you just don't really you don't you don't have the life experience yet. <laughs> it's not necessarily that those characteristics are millennial, but that's not to say that there aren't millennial characteristics because we are shaped by the environment. Um, we are taught core values. I mean, if you look at the baby boomers which is honestly, I think the transition we're going through right now is more from boomers to millennials than from Xers to millennials. Because what the Xers did is they kind of just melded themselves into the boomer model in order to succeed. And the millennials are doing it so differently that that isn't working. And so, and the boomer was a big, big generation. The Xers is smaller. The Xers are born 1965 to 1985, 80, somewhere in there. And the boomers are, you know, really, you know, there was so many of them and the millennials are like that as well. And so it is that transition truly from the handoff of the boomers to millennials that we're in the throes of. Mm -hmm. And it is fascinating because the millennials are growing up. And as some of the books that we've been reading um, have been saying, millennials are different once they become parents, too. Mm -hmm. Like you're not the same. Your your influences change as a parent. You, I mean, I'm sure your audience can relate to this. I know I changed when I became a parent. Um, in what I, were my most important values and how I prioritized what I was going to put my energy and my money and my 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 ability to decide what happens next in in my life into. And so when we're looking at all this millennial stuff that's so negative, it's not taking into account any of that. And it's definitely not taking into account how we got this way, which means we can, if there are negative things, what if we just pivot them 20 degrees, suddenly you can make it an advantage rather than a disadvantage. I mean, I think by and large, you know, the, the most fascinating part of, uh, of digging deep into how millennials communicate is, is not so much how they actually speak, it's how they absorb content. Um, you know, my practice, as, as most people know, is, is predominantly made up of families. You know, we see kids and um, we find that those families are, are absorbing content uh, predominantly online. Right. And they're they're sort of crowdsourcing that information. And, you know, we know that millennials are by and large a a digital generation. Right. Um, I'm yes. on that cusp, you know, that Xennial cusp where I had an analog childhood, but a digital uh, sort of adolescence. Um, but you know, we realize that these these parents, they, they have a sort of self-fulfilling, like almost self-reproducing um, way of, of absorbing all this information. And so they're being educated um, by that sort of digital content stream. Uh, when it comes to things like healthcare, um, WebMD is a thing, right? Um, YouTube is a thing, uh, which is not something that we ever have had in, in the past. And so uh, a lot of these folks, they, they come into our offices already well prepared uh, to absorb the information that we're, we're giving them, which in, in the chiropractic circles is, is both a blessing and a curse. Um, but uh, these folks tend to be a little bit more prepared. They tend to be uh, not just a little bit, a lot more prepared, a lot more educated um, on, on things before they even come to the door. When you go to a pediatrician's office, we know that by and large, um, parents' uh, behaviors in a pediatrician's office, is, is they're structured around what they want to get, right? Because they're already prepared. We have research studies that say that the reason that the antibiotics are so proliferative 
uh, in, in pediatrics is because parents walk them before they even walk through the door. Um, and so that, that education piece or that, that concept absorption piece is already um, uh, well-structured, I think, in their minds. Um, I, I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how, you know, the folks in my generation uh, and to some degree, I guess, your generation, um, the millennial generation, like how, how that influences our healthcare consumption. Well, one of the characteristics of millennials is that they are very, you are very DIY, do it yourself. So rather than previous generations that were much more reliant on authority and experts and people who had, you know, earned the ability to say, here's what we do next. Millennials, well, first of all, millennials also have incredibly well calibrated bullshit detectors. So that you got to play that in. And they learn that they learn that people will say they know the answers will say, you know, that the media people in authority, even well-meaning people in authority can be full of crap and not really have the best information they might even if they mean well you can't just trust somebody saying because i said so mm. because i'm older than you because i because it's been proven time and time again not to be true and you're also very sensitive to when people are trying to manipulate you and trying to um be in that state of of i'm i'm gonna get my way because it's you know better for everybody or whatever like there's a sense of individuality uh which is so important in healthcare. i mean this this thing that's been happening in healthcare where we're, it's like one size fits all like we take the median and then we just say like this is how it should be clearly that does not work on the individual level it doesn't work on health it doesn't work in any way right so individuality is a superpower i think of millennials the fact that, that you guys get that you don't want one size fits all. You need to find out what really meets the needs of me and my family and how can I take appropriate control over that? I mean, who knows you and your kids better than you? Hmm. I, I promise you, no one knows my kids better than me, which doesn't mean I have all the answers. It doesn't mean that I'm like, don't need resources, but it means that I am the best person to consume those resources, look at them, talk it out and then make a decision and test it. I mean, Let's face it, there's a lot of parenting that is you're you're just running a, an experiment. You're like, what would happen if I did this? Because if you're waiting for an expert to say, do it like this, I promise you this worked. Anything that's worked for someone great cannot work at all for you because you're different. Your kid's different. Your environment's different. Your values are different. So as soon as somebody says like, this is the way, like for me, that's just like, boom. And now I don't trust you, not because I don't think there might be validity, but if you can't see the bigger picture, then... How can I possibly consume information from you when, when you're already lying about that or at least clueless about not understanding individuality and in that I need to be the one to make the decision? When my kids were being born, I remember my first son was born when, right as I graduated chiropractic school. And I hadn't yet learned like some of these foundational skills of the sort of alternative parenting community, right? Like attachment parenting and all that. I knew I wanted to have a natural birth and I wanted to have a home birth. Um, but I really hadn't played it through into parenthood of like, what was that mean going to mean? You know, so we set up a whole nursery for my baby, all this, you know, much more traditional stuff. And then, you know, my son was born. It was a great birth. We had really, everything was wonderful. And I just instinctively brought him into the bed with us to sleep at night because I was nursing and it was crazy to get up in the middle of the night and I wanted to be with him. And I remember at some point, maybe six months in is when I really learned about like co-sleeping and attachment parenting and that there was communities around all this. And I had no clue, but I do remember being challenged before I knew that and just 
so clearly in my own mind being like, I don't know how to defend this to you, but it doesn't really matter because <laughs> I know that I know that I know that this is the right choice for me and my child right now. And I just was instantly disinterested in trying to prove it to other people and trying to argue with them. I was just like, whatever, go on doing your own thing. But this is working so great for us. We are getting great sleep. I am not being tortured by my child. He is super healthy and thriving and so am I. So I don't really care what any expert says. The expert that is me knows that this is working awesome. Right. And okay, so th this this is exactly what I'd hope that you touched on because it, probably the most, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, like marked or memorable uh, component of the, the talk that you did when we were in Virginia was uh, about the millennial experience and, you know, how when millennials kind of disagree with people, what people have to say, um, they kind of just say, you know, F off, see you later. I'm going to go do my own thing anyway. And so it's... There's a term for it. It's called ghosting. Okay. So awesome. That's hashtag <laughs> ghosting, right? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's so funny because I see that so clearly in the chiropractic profession. I see it so clearly because what we do is so experiential, right? We're constantly talking about things like quality of life. We're talking about best evidence synthesis and all that other stuff as if chiropractic care and the chiropractic experience is mechanistic in the way that traditional medicine is, but it's not. It's experiential, and that so resonates with what you're describing, right? I do what I do because I know it works because I'm in the thick of it. Right. And I don't care what your research says. I don't care what all of your, you know, fancy degrees say. I care about what works for me. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well, I mean, there's an empowerment through line too. Like millennials really have figured out that you, and this is not a negative. It might sound like a negative, but it's not. You can't rely on other people to take care of your stuff for you. Like it's like you are there to save you and your family. No one's going to, no politician, healthcare provider, um, expert book is going to come in and rescue you like and which doesn't mean that you even need rescuing but I'm just saying like there's this deep sense of I I know I, I want mentors and friends and people around me but I got this and I know I can get this and it's funny to me because I am frequently because I'm in between you know the the millennials and the and the boomers and I as a you know person in education often am being asked by the non-millennials like Mary how do we how do we interact better with these millennials? How do we engage them? And I just keep having to come back to is you need to empower them and you need to like take them seriously and stop telling them that they don't know anything and ask them what they how they want to interact. And it's like so disconcerting to people who haven't wrapped their heads around this. Um, hmm. But what I'm seeing is that millennials are just seeking out people who already get that. Hmm. And they're just working really well with them, whether it's other millennials or there's loads of people who are non-millennials who are getting this. Um, it's it's appropriate to be attracted to people who you see are going to empower you, who are going to provide a platform for you to learn, but not tell you what to do. Because let's face it, I've worked in education for a long time now. You cannot teach anyone anything ever. Hmm. In fact, I would say no one has ever taught us anything. Who taught you to walk, Dan? Uh, 
I don't remember. You, I wasn't there, at least. You, <laughs> exactly. There was your parents didn't teach you to walk. They weren't like, little Danny, now do this, right? Like your you had this capacity, this inborn drive, innate intelligence that was like being able to ambulate and move around would be way better than lying on the floor squirming around. Let's try to figure this out, right? right. And you figured it out. And yeah, your parents were there cheering and you know, kissing your boo-boos, but you did it. And when you really think about the mechanics of walking, like that is a hella hard thing to do. Like, it is kind of crazy. Mm. It takes some ages to figure out how to make robots do it, right? Like, it's hard. Mm. But you totally figured it out. If we can go back to recognizing that, which is why I think the millennials and this sort of vitalistic mindset we have as chiropractors and other alternative healthcare providers is so perfect. Like, we're so poised to put the pieces together in ways we haven't because millennials and vitalism are both saying, you have the power inside you. You do know what to do. How do we find what's right with you, what's right with your situation, what's right with your environment and your community and enhance that and grow that and build that? Like that's just like the the bedrock programming of millennials and that's the bedrock program programming of chiropractic. So I just think the potential for this generation to like truly step into a new way of, of engaging in their own health and their family's health so exciting to me. It's a big moment. So, okay, I, something came to my mind while you're while you're talking about this, and it's it, it, I, I think the connection between you know the millennial mindset and, and chiropractic is is something that absolutely needs to be exploited, and the reason is because healthcare for I mean as, as long as we can remember, you know, has been paternalistic in nature, meaning you you do what I I say because look at all the degrees I got on my wall, right? Yeah. Um, and I'll be the first person to tell you that critical appraisal is super important, right? I mean, that's what I teach. That's, that's the, the company that I keep is all about peer review. It's about, you know, getting better. Um, yeah. but, but it doesn't science necessarily, it great. Do we want science. We want critical thinking. We're not eschewing that at all. We really need those things. Right. And, and that's important, but it's also important to understand. I, and I think you really just, you hit the nail on the head because you're, you're, you're describing why millennials are so misunderstood. Right. You're 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 looking at this giant gulf between um, authoritative healthcare and a healthcare model that is about being hands off. Right. As much as humanly possible, honoring the sort of innate biological directive to be healthy. Right. So the previous generation, which is very much, uh, you know, sort of like a, a Cartesian mechanistic model of, well, if a body part breaks, then we'll call in this authority who has all these degrees on their wall and they'll fix it versus this generation, which is so, we're, we're so um, uh, sort of uh, characterized by involvement, again, by having that sort of collaborative story writing potential that, uh, I mean, you couple that with just questioning everything authoritative and that that's where we are, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> exactly. that's exactly where we are, you know, like don't trust anybody except myself and my own inborn biological directive to raise a happy and healthy family. Um, I mean, that's a brilliant connection. And it never even occurred to me until just now. That that's kind of what we're up against. And you can see it as a microcosm in the chiropractic profession, right? I mean, right. <laughs> I, I hope he's not listening. Well, yeah, actually, I hope he is listening. But I, I got in a verbal alter altercation with a doc who um, was, uh, uh, well, we were at a, a con an event together. I won't say which one. Uh, but he's in his uh, 50s or so. He's been practicing for 25, 30 years. And he was trying to argue with me about how, why my generation is full of uh, uh, full of assholes, and 
you know, he then proceeded to describe how, you know, he paid for his son to go through, you know, private school and college, and he paid for all of his books and paid for all of his stuff, and he can't understand why his son can't get a job. And my response was, do you see the problem here? Do you see the problem? The problem is not us. The problem is you. Do not understand what our needs and characteristics really are. It's that we really want to go out and fail quickly. We want to go out and see the world and we want to be experiential in nature. We want to learn from our mistakes. We don't want somebody to tell us how to do it. And it's what if we weren't afraid of failing? I mean, that's a Correct. huge issue of my generation is the Generation X were taught to be terrified of failure, like just terrified. Mm -hmm. And I've had to really observe myself both as I'm engaging in the higher levels of my career, especially as an entrepreneur, and seeing how that holds me back. Then let's add the layer of what am I modeling for my kids? Right. So my kids, my oldest child is 17, so he's like the very end of the generation millennials. Mm -hmm. And then the next generation, which should be very relevant to your audience, what's that one? It doesn't have a given name yet. I call them the Wi-Fi generation. <laughs> they have never not ha been plugged in in a moment in their life. Wow. Um, so it's like a whole nother thing for them and they share some characteristics of the millennials, but we don't really know yet because there's so much in their life stage characteristics. It's hard to really see what it's going to be like, but yeah, this, the way the millennials are is because of how they were taught to be mm. right. The, the, many of the, and there's great things in it and there's weird things in it, but it is funny because I talked to a lot of non-millennials and they universally say just what you just said, which is. You know, I work with millennials in my office or as my CAs or as my patients and they suck, but my kids are millennials and they don't suck. And I'm like, okay, well, that's really interesting. So how are you so different than the other parents? Um, I don't know. It's very, very fascinating to see how blind and how we get caught up in our own story of the narrative of how things are. And we, and when we're stuck in a story and we're not listening to new stories, then we can't see the world differently, which is part of why I get really passionate about storytelling, because when you hear a story, you do this thing called suspension of disbelief, which means that like when you go to a movie, you're not watching the movie and saying like, that's not possible. A car can't can't do that, like in a car chase, mm -hmm. you know, even though, you know, there's totally things in the car chase where you're like a car can't really do that. Or especially that guy couldn't drive the car like that. He's not a stunt driver. Right. But you, you're not worried about that. Your brain is not spending any time thinking about that because you're in the state of suspension of disbelief you're in the story and so when we have our stories we get stuck but when we hear a new story that isn't within the way we've seen the world before it gives us an opportunity because of that suspension of disbelief to at the end of the story if it was resonant and and relevant to you and your life instead of saying screw that i don't believe it it's bs you say that's really interesting and now you're open to getting more information and being a critical thinker because you don't realize when you're not being a critical thinker. I mean, it's, that's the scary part about critical thinking is we all think that we're critical thinkers all the time, just like how we all think that we're good drivers all the time and all that other stuff, right? Everybody thinks they're good at customer service. Everybody thinks that they drive well and everybody thinks that they're a critical thinker mm. because we can't see those holes. And that's where storytelling and just recognizing like this generational stuff what if we have it wrong if you just opened up that story and hopefully this podcast opens it up for you enough and started just asking the questions and saying maybe what i've been taught isn't true because your confirmation bias which is that thing we have where if we already have a paradigm a, a bucket of belief that describes how we see the world we'll only notice the things that fit in that bucket so how do and you then, 
well, how, how do you bridge the gap? Um, you know, because you're right. We do, we do have a generation that is entirely, you know, sort of built on, I'm going to figure this thing out, but subjecting that generation, I mean, even healthcare consumers to critical appraisal and being able to filter out the so-called fake news, um, that that's that's a bit of a problem too because if i mean because millennials do want to be somewhat insulated i feel like i feel like they they kind of like to believe their own bs um and if you know if if there isn't that sort of subject to that that appraisal uh we could really end up in a, a really bad place so i guess i guess it's a slippery slope what do you what do you think i think that we what's cool about the millennials is that they are willing to experiment do that diy thing and fail and I think that us being like overly hovery about how we shape the millennials is us falling into the trap of previous generations. I mean, with my kids, and here, this is weird. So I'm, my kids are no longer little guys. And probably most people who are parents on your podcast have, you know, little kids. Um, you know, my kids are all teenagers. They're 17, 14, and 12 now. And um, first of all, let me just say parenting teens is awesome. I don't know where we got this whole idea that teenagers are just so, so terrible and so horrible. And it's not because my kids are, you know, special, awesomer than other kids. Like, yeah, no, there's, there's challenges in parenting teenagers, just like there are in parenting, parenting little guys, mm. but parenting teens is about co-creating, right? And at some point, you got to take your hand off the wheel and let them drive. You just have to. Like, that's the whole point. My son is ent- entering his senior year of high school. He spent the whole summer uh, in Wisconsin with our extended family. That's where I'm from. I'm working a job because you can't get a job in Oakland, California because for a 17-year-old because all those jobs go to adults. Mm. Um, and it was really important to me to just be like, all right, kid, go out there and figure this thing out. Um you need to you need to experience the world. I don't want the first day he's ever left my house be the day he goes off to college. My kids, I spend a lot of time empowering them. They they ride the city bus and they have since they're 12 years old by themselves, by the way. Hmm. Like on the first trip you take them, of course, you show them things. Um, I think it's been really weird for some of the other parents of my kids' peer group where they've said to me point blank, like, I can't believe you let them, you know, ride the bus in Oakland by yourself. I'm like, I, I, I trust my kids and I trust that they have cell phones. They know how to call. They have called me before and been lost and confused. And I've talked them through it. Now they're so confident they can do anything. And their peers are not in that same place. And I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying my philosophy of parenting, my semi-millennial kids is definitely different than others. And it's because of this vitalistic way that I think about parenting. I'm not there to teach my kids to be independent. I'm here to teach them to be interdependent, to trust themselves and to know how to talk to other people and how to ask for help and that it's okay to fail. It's okay if they miss the bus. It's okay if they got confused and they have to ask a bus driver for help or another person for help. My daughter just had a story where she, was, she has a volunteer job at the Oakland Zoo this summer, and so she takes the bus there. She's 14, and she takes the bus home. It takes her about an hour each way, and she was on the bus, and there was um, some guy who uh, didn't speak English, or there was some issue with him, and so he started communicating with her by writing things on his phone, mm. and she like helped him figure out where he needed to go and everything, and he said to her, thank you so much for taking the time. I couldn't get anyone else to respond to me, mm. and 
I said, did he feel weird to you? Like, what did you think when he first approached you? Because I spent a lot of time talking to my kids about their intuition and to understand that it's not that you shouldn't speak to anybody. It's that you need to listen to your intuition and read signals in the environment of what's safe and what's not safe. I mean, she's on a city bus. There's a bus driver right there. She's in a safe environment. Someone didn't give her any creepy vibe and was asking for help. And I'm glad that my 14-year-old thinks that that's a smart thing to do. And she trusted herself and she felt very empowered by that interaction. And I think that'll make her more powerful in the future, not more likely to get in trouble with a stranger. So you're, you're describing a a bit of a um, a dichotomy here and, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I raised my, my daughter in the same kind of vein um, you know, my parents were very much about, you know, instilling a sense of self-determination with me, which means, you know, sink or swim time, you know, um, it's not necessarily sink or swim for millennial parents. I believe most millennial parents will put a safety net out for their kids. Um, you know, and they, they look to authority figures and people that they respect to make those, those judgment calls in a lot of cases. But, um, yeah, I'm right there. My daughter's nine. She's knocking on the door of teenagehood. And, um, you know, we're, we're hoping that she'll be able to make those mistakes within the constructs of a, of a bit of a safety net so that she can do things right. But there is a fine line between, um, hmm. How much rope to give them? Well, it, I, there, there's a fine line between self-determination and know-it-all-ism, right? And let me, let me give you, let me give you a visual on this because you I know you travel a ton for, for LifeWest and I, I fly a ton, you know, I'll, I'll be doing probably about 60 K in the air this year. And, we notice that when we fly, uh, an airplane is a microcosm for society. <laughs> and so you see this confluence of different generations, especially if you're flying internationally, and you see how parents uh, interact with their kids, how parents interact with other people's kids, how parents interact with other parents. Um, and because I, I fly alone most of the time, I just sit back and kind of take notes. Um, I like to survey that society and that that sort of, you know, that tiny metal tube in the sky and see mm-hmm. how, uh, how human nature pans itself out. And I noticed that, uh, you know, millennials tend to in general, um, and I, I don't want to, you know, oversimplify things, but in general, millennials kind of, they, they kind of value their space. You know, they kind of value their opinions. They kind of, you know, in, in a lot of ways, they kind of like to keep to themselves in that, in that small space. Whereas people who are a little bit older kind of don't have, uh, that same sort of determination, right? It it literally takes a village in a lot of cases for older folks, but millennials tend to kind of want to weave their own yarns on their own. Um, I'm not sure if that's if that's accurate, uh, an accurate depiction uh, or what you see in, in our generation, but um, I become acutely aware of uh, how younger folks and people in my generation carry themselves when... Um, <laughs> when the shit hits the fan, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like your personality really comes out. What you truly value really comes out when uh, stress levels are really high. Um, does that, does that make sense? Do you, do you agree with that assertion? I think overall from what you're describing, I think that's true. Um, I think that as far as millennials kind of keeping to themselves, I totally agree with that. They, they stick with trusted. They're very pragmatic and they're pretty self-confident and sometimes wrongly so for lack of a better word right, <laughs> right. Uh, overconfident maybe be a nicer way of saying it right. um but there's no better way to figure it out than to try something I, i'll tell you all day long i'd rather my kid be a little overconfident um one of my kids is a little less like that and with that child i'm always 
trying to push that child and being gender neutral uh, <laughs> to be willing to take more risk. Um, whereas with the other two, it's more of like, okay, let's, let's talk about it before you take the risk. But we try to celebrate in my household failures. Like I, I literally ask my kids regularly, like, what did you do that you failed at lately? Because it's so important to be willing to try things. And so when I look at the millennials, I see this pattern. Um, initially someone says, let me show you how to do it. And they say, no, thank you. I got this. And then the person says, no, but really, like, I see what you're trying to do. And I have some tips that will really help you. And the millennial ghosts at that point and <laughs> basically, you know, does the F off. And then the millennial goes and does one of two things. They either go and they figure it out kind of laboriously, but they eventually sort it out. And you're like, okay, you did it the hard way, but you got there. Or they go partway there and they realize they need help. And then they turn to someone who they trust, who has not previously told them, I know everything, you know nothing, whippersnapper. Mm. And then they ask for help. Mm. And that's what I see. And I love those millennials. And that's who I'm reaching out to. Not because I think I know everything, but I'm like, if people want to work with me on what I'm good at, which is, you know, communicating chiropractic and understanding how to do marketing and branding and sort of decode what is the old school branding for chiropractic, which I think needs to be very much rethought for this generation. Yeah. People who want to do that with me, um, awesome. And people who don't, I'm really not worried about it. Like they'll figure it out right. and that's their business. You're, you're describing an infrastructure for crowdsourcing, which again is something that is, is you know, dear to my heart because I, I spent a lot of time working through um, the creation of ontologies and so-called mechanical Turks and whatnot, which are, you know, infrastructures for allowing people to come to you because your value set resonates with them as opposed to forcing or foisting anything upon them. Or um, shaming or fear-basing or all that stuff. Oh, totally. Right. And that's the way that we run our practices. And it brings us full circle now because again, you know, with the coaching and consulting I do with new students and with grads uh, who are in practice, you know, a couple of years out, and even docs have been doing this for a really long time, like gone are the days of the fear mongering, right? Gone are the days of you do this or you're something bad is going to happen. It's about, it's about empowering. It's about educating. It's about, uh, you know, sort of letting your patients and your community come into your fold that, that resonates with you. I mean, in my practice in particular, you know, my practice is not for everybody, right? It's, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I communicate my style and people who resonate with my message, they come come to me and they get it right it's it's part of the thing if somebody doesn't necessarily resonate with my practice there's a lot of other chiropractors out there who are doing things that are different than mine and that's awesome let them resonate there that's how we i think that's 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 a roadmap for the future in changing the the mentality right changing changing the the influence of of chiropractic in, in the zeitgeist so that people can all be served at that level um, you know in our pre-chat you you and i were talking a little bit about how um, you know, teenage uh, children of millennial parents are, are starting to be reared in this in this culture. Um, it, you know, it, it, we have a little bit of time left on this episode. I, I'd love for you to dig in a little bit on that because I know that's kind of something that's on the on the um, the front of your mind. Um, and then, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about how that looks in like the the grand scheme of uh, of, of healthcare in the next maybe say twenty twenty five years. Well, when it comes to parenting teens again and that kind of sense. I think for me, the key word is trust. I trust my kids. I've trusted them from when they were babies. I had a philosophy when they were infants and they would cry that they weren't trying to manipulate me to get their way, that they were saying, I need something and you're the person I trust most in the world to help me figure it out. And I think that that same 
thing is true now when they're teenagers. And, you know, my kids, I'm sure, will have incredibly humiliating stories about me someday because, for example, I trust them to, if they're interested in watching a rated R movie, I'm like, you can totally watch it, but we're going to watch it together. And they will tell you, they've reached the point now where they're like, I don't even want to watch a movie now because I will pause the movie like mid rated R moment and I'll be like, okay, now let's talk about this, right? And they're like, mom, we know, we know this is sexist. Mom, we know that that sex isn't really like that. Mom, we know, like they know all the stuff. And I'm like, there's nothing that's off limits for us to talk about. There's nothing off limits for them. I mean, we talk about drinking, we talk about alcohol, we talk about sex, we talk about all the stuff all the time. I bring it up. They bring it up. It's just like an open forum. And it's not me saying you can do anything you want. It's me saying, I trust you to be smart, to be empathetic, to be a human being who is going to do well in the world and take care of other people, take care of yourself above all, be safe. And then we just talk it through over and over. And it's again like my their peers you know are like my mom would never let me watch that I'm like we're totally gonna watch this and then we're gonna pause it they're like really do you have to pause at this moment mom can you like like can we not have that on the screen I'm like if you can't look at this on the screen then you should be watching this movie we're like we're gonna talk about it right now so I'm very in I teach them to trust themselves and to trust me and the other thing I teach them to trust which is a big millennial value as well is to trust what I call the feels And it's that concept that even if you don't know in your head consciously, you know how a situation or a person makes you feel. And that is a valuable data point, a really valuable data point. And we need to honor that data point. And as care providers, as chiropractors, we need to think really long and hard about what feels are we putting out in our practice? Hmm. And is the feels that our CA is transmitting, is that in resonance with our practice is the environment like those environmental cues which have to do with authenticity and transparency and empowerment and all these things we're talking about are becoming I think not only stronger and more important but more evident to people more obvious values it used to be in other generations we were almost taught to not honor how we felt about it you know like they'd be like you you have to you to your kids you'd say you have to hug uncle albert you know the kid would be like i don't like him i don't want to hug him i told my kids you never have to hug somebody you don't want to Mm. if you ever just get an icky feeling off of somebody you have full permission to avoid them even if you think that they're you know honored within the clan like I tell them that they can contact me at any time we have a special code if they're somewhere even that they're not supposed to be that they can contact me and i will get them out of that situation Yes, they're going to have to talk about it, but no, there won't be like some terrible thing that will happen to them because they weren't where they're supposed to be because I want them to honor their feelings. Well, I want to honor their intuition and their own power. What you're describing is not entitlement, which is what I think most people will assume it is. It's it's teaching self-determination. Yeah. Which, which is super duper important. And, and I think, you know, realistically, like, I was just thinking about this while you're talking. I mean, the, the problem with, with the communication gap, right, between Gen Xers and millennials, and even to some extent baby boomers, because, you know, my folks are, are there, they're in grandparent mode and they're full blown baby boom generation, is that there isn't in, any instant gratification here, right? Um, you can't exactly, you know, for example, discipline your kid by whacking him and get the. Um, the the instant gratification of teaching them a lesson uh in a lot of ways there's a a lot of delayed gratification that goes around teaching children um and even to some extent teaching their parents uh to value that process in creating self-determination right it's it's totally totally different and novel um I, i feel like 
to some degree, this may have been a key value or a core value of the greatest generation and somehow disappeared uh, in the past two generations or so. And now it's starting to surface again. I know Bruce Lipton talks a lot about how, um, you know, value sets, they oscillate back and forth between extremes. Yep. And I, I see this happening for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anyway. Um, so, I, you know, now now that we've had this this really kind of brilliant conversation, Mary. Um, All over the map too, right? That's how I like to do it. My brain's like 12 directions at once. <laughs> but, you know, per, you know, my expectation, you weaved an amazing story. Uh, and we could definitely keep talking about this for hours and days. And I'm sure we probably will the next time you and I see each other. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, as an educator, uh, especially as an educator for young chiropractors, um, Obviously, we got some chiropractors listening. We got a ton of students listening, but we have a lot of parents. You know, we have thousands and thousands of parents that are listening to this content. Um, do you think you could give just a call to action to these folks uh, as it pertains to, to, you know, these concepts of healthcare that we we're talking about so that they have a take home pearl that they can leave with? I mean, my number one piece of advice that I used to give to parents within my practice was basically what I've been saying to you. Trust yourself. Trust yourself as a parent. Yes, accept input from lots of people. And by that, I mean, be curious. Be really, really curious about why people do different things. But the moment someone starts insisting that their version is the version, be cautious. Because I find that the best mentors I've ever found in my entire life have always been people who say, this is how it works for me. Here's why. How do I empower you? How do I support you? And especially when it comes to parenting and healthcare, it's always going back to what's right with you. How do I support you? How do I help you to lift yourself and your own family up? And I've worked with some you know, young women who, when they became mothers, were just transformed because they, they grew to trust themselves. There's something about the natural birth process that I think as a rite of passage is so valuable to becoming a parent. I feel a little bit bad actually that dads don't, don't have a similar thing when they become a parent because I've seen so many moms turn into these mama tigers and I say, man, trust that mama tiger in you. Not to, to be always to know the answers, but to have such good intuition and such good insight into your kid and then build that trust with your kid. Teach them to trust themselves. Teach them to trust you because there's a lot of stuff in young parenting that's all about teaching your kid to be independent. And I think it's kind of like cart before the horse. We want to teach our kids to be interdependent, to be connected. I can remember when my kids were toddlers um, they were so willing to range afar and do whatever, but they would always just touch back with me when they needed to. And people would say, oh, they're so independent. And I'm like, actually, they're not really independent. They're just super interdependent. They can switch modes very readily. Yeah. These are the things that are just as true now as they're teenagers, as they were then. These are things that are true of me as a 45-year-old. Like the, These are the skills that I'm still applying to my own life. And so when you start to realize that the things you're working on are the things your kids were, are working on and just wanting them to have this opportunity to know how powerful they are, know what's right with them, know that you're there for them. Like that's kind of the whole deal. Mm. That's what I love about having teenagers. They're awesome. And they talk back to me and they tell me what they're really thinking. And we have these incredible debates. It's so much fun. I mean, we're really cultivating this generation of folks who 
you know they're 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 taking back their humanity it's it's just it's so great to see and again this is so relevant for me the chiropractor because we see it developing from conception in our offices we we see this this generation of self-determination and interdependence as you're calling it uh from scratch, right? I mean, I was on a podcast with Dr. Hoffman, Steve Hoffman, who's a mentor of mine last season, and we were talking about how, you know, the beautiful thing about having a chiropractic office is that you get to see chiropractic kids interact with each other, right? This is an entire generation with really just a a unique value set, a parenting value set that is exactly the way that you described. And it's a microcosm for, I think, the way that uh, we need to see society move. But obviously, I'm biased because, you know, that's the way that my family works. So, Dr. Mary, thank you so much for sharing all of that content. This is going to be an amazing episode when we undoubtedly release it. Uh, For everybody who's listening, um, everybody knows if you're in my practice, if you are in the mindset to become a chiropractor the first person you need to talk to is dr mary um i am a champion for life west uh, the college in hayward california i send every one of my patients who has an interest in becoming a doctor of chiropractic to that school because they teach the way that i practice establish value sets that are congruent with uh, the type of uh, type of practice that i'd like to see uh, and um, Mary is extremely accessible. So by all means, anybody who's listening, you want to learn I more about chiropractic, yes. you talk to Mary. So thank you very much. And everybody else who's listening, if this is content that resonates with you, please share it on Instagram. Please share it on Facebook. Please share it on Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag normalized chiropractic as in together we're going to save a ton of lives. So until next time, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you at the next episode. Take care.